Good evening, TPC family, and welcome again to our Wednesday night service. We are in week three of our Transformational Discipleship Series. We spent a couple weeks talking about, uh, first of all, what is Transformational Discipleship, uh, why it's important, and last week we talked about the full gospel and how the gospel really sets the stage and or builds the foundation for transformation in our lives. This week, I want to take it a, a step further in that process. You know, once uh, once we have that foundation of the gospel, what do we do next? What happens next? How does God transform our lives moving forward, building on that foundation of the gospel? So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the power of the word of God. Uh, this week, I, I'm calling the prescription for life uh, because it, it's, you know, it's like when you go to a doctor and the doctor gives you a prescription. <clears throat> that prescription is designed to bring healing into your life. Well, God has a prescription for us to bring healing into our life, transformation into our life. Uh, as we get into this, you'll understand why I call it the prescription for life, but I call it that for two reasons. Number one, it brings life. You know, Jesus promised us the abundant life in, in the Christian life and the, the aspect of transformation is what brings that abundance into our lives as God transforms us, changes us from faith to faith and glory to glory and changes us into the person he created us to be in the first place. Uh, it brings life and, and, and it helps us experience that abundant life that Jesus promised. But also the aspect of the prescription for life is this is actually something you're going to be on for the rest of your life. Something I need to be on for the rest of my life. Um, because of the nature of sin and just because of that, that um, influence sin has on us, we need a prescription, if you will, to constantly overcome that influence, constantly overcome that pull away from God. So we'll talk about that tonight. So, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about tonight because one of the things that uh, I'll teach in this lesson is something that a lot of people struggle with. Uh, in fact, almost every Christian struggles with this at some point in their life. And some people never stop struggling with it. Um, you know, they, they, they can't seem to overcome this struggle. And it really holds them back in growing in their walk with the Lord. I've had the opportunity to share this this particular message or this particular concept, if you will, uh, with a lot of people. And it has radically changed the, the way that they view how God transforms their lives. And it helps them overcome this, this major hurdle that a lot of us struggle with. So I'm really excited for you guys tonight to, to hear this and, and to learn how we can experience that daily transformation that builds into a lifelong transformation that helps us walk in that abundant life that Jesus promised. So let me open a prayer and we will get right into the message. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I just thank you for uh, for tonight. Lord, I thank you for this message. And Lord, I thank you for just the truth of your word. I thank you, Lord, that you have, have given us the ability to be transformed, Lord, to be changed and, and, and to become the men and women you have created us to be from the very beginning. So tonight, I, Father, I pray that each and every person 
who hears this, whether it's tonight while it's being broadcast or some other time, it doesn't matter, Lord, that you would just open their eyes, open their understanding, Lord, give them wisdom, and Lord, give them that desire to experience that abundant life that you promised in your word. And Lord, I thank you for doing it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So let's let's dive into this. Let's talk about why it is so important to be on the prescription for life, if you will, to bring this into our lives as Christians. You know, we talked about last week the influence of sin uh, in our lives and how that sin nature has created this false identity. Uh, and, and it's, it's, it creates this lie in us that we believe about ourselves, about others, about God, about reality. And I kind of illustrated that point. So I, I really want to get into those specifics again of looking at how sin has influenced us, how it has infected us, how the gospel, just kind of review a little bit of last week, how the gospel uh, radically transforms us uh, from that sinful state and then take it a step further in overcoming one of the greatest hurdles that Christians face in their lives. So as I've done the last couple of weeks, I'm going to uh, share my screen here. I'm using my iPad also as we're doing this so I can draw and illustrate this for you all. So let's begin. Last week, one of the things we talked about was the reality of the infection of sin. And I illustrated that with three circles. And each circle represents three different aspects of who we are, or our makeup, if you will. We have a, the body, the soul, and in the middle is the spirit. Now, again, when I talk about the soul, one of the things I'm talking about is the mind, the will, and the emotions. It's who you are. It's your personality. It's it's uh, your character, as I mentioned last week. And we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a minute. But all of us, when we're born, we're born with this spiritually genetic disease the Bible calls sin. Okay, we talked about this last week, and, you know, and I said that sin infects the way we think, the way we feel, and the way we act. And that infection then leads to sinful action. And this is what we tend to focus on when it comes to talking about sin, is that sinful action. But the reality is, this is the problem right here. It's that sin sickness that's within us that's generated from that sin core. You know, we're born spiritually dead. Well, we also mentioned last week the aspect of the gospel and what the gospel does. The gospel is called by many uh, of great theologians the great exchange. So what does that mean? Well, we still have the body here, the soul. The mind, the will, and the emotions. But in the center, in the spirit, the gospel 
Jesus offers is a great exchange where Jesus offers to take out that sin core and replace it with righteousness. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. However, as we mentioned last week, even though Jesus has removed the source of the sin, that sin infection in our soul is still there. We still have to deal with that infection. Now, if you didn't have a chance to watch that message last week, I encourage you to go back. I go into a much more detailed description here. I'm just kind of doing a quick review. But here we have a Christian whose spirit has been brought alive by the Holy Spirit. The righteousness of God has been placed into that person. Their sin core has been taken out, but their sin infection is still there. And that's why as a Christian, you can still see sinful action in your life. Now, again, most people want to focus here on that sinful action. But the reality is the problem is here. It's that sin infection in our soul. And that's the source that we need to go after. Uh, you know, as I mentioned last week, the, the Christian life is not about behavior modification. It's about life transformation. And thus, the, this whole series is focused on life transformation, not just behavior modification. So what I want to do tonight is I want to take us from this place here and move us forward. So we understand that the gospel right there has created a foundation of righteousness in us. Right now, if, if you are in Christ, you are fully and holy and completely righteous in God's sight. <clears throat> There's nothing you need to do. There's nothing you need to offer. There, there's nothing that you can do in and of yourself that, that can add to this righteousness. You are fully and completely righteous in God's sight because of Jesus Christ. The, the problem is, again, this sin infection in the soul. So how do we get this righteousness from the spirit into the soul, just like that sin in our spirit infected our soul? Now we want to kind of do the reverse in regards to overcoming this sin sickness. Well, you know, if if, uh, if you're sick and you have pneumonia and you go to the doctor and, you know, the doctor confirms, yes, you've got pneumonia, well, the doctor's going to write you a prescription. And you go to the pharmacy, you turn in your prescription, you get the prescription filled, and you get a pill bottle. Pill bottle. This pill bottle is filled with pills, you know, whether it's antibiotics or whatever. When you get home, you take this pill bottle, you crack it open, right? And you take whatever it is that the doctor has given you, that prescription. And the, the purpose of that prescription is to bring healing to your body for whatever it is you're suffering from. In this case, uh, you know, the example I use is, is uh, pneumonia. So this, this pill, if you is, is chemically alive, if you will, 
it's going to do in you what you cannot do in yourself. It's going to bring physical healing to your body. Well, in the aspect of sin sickness, see, sin sickness isn't a physical sickness. You know, it's not like pneumonia in my lungs. It's a spiritual sickness that's in my soul. So I, I can't just go down to the pharmacy and get some pills and get something to overcome sin sickness. I wish I could. I, I wish I could sell it to you. I'd be a multi-bazillionaire if I could do that. But there is no physical pill that can overcome sin sickness because sin sickness is spiritual. It's not physical. So we don't need something that is chemically alive, like that, that antibiotic pill. We need something that is spiritually alive that can overcome that sin sickness. Well, fortunately, we have something called the Word of God. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12 that the Word of God is living and active. And that means that it is spiritually alive. So just like the that pill in the pill bottle is chemically alive, the Word of God is spiritually alive. And it can bring healing to your soul in a way that you can't bring healing to your soul. Just like that, that pill brings healing to my lungs in a way I can't do it. This, the word of God brings that spiritual healing into your soul in a way that you can't do it. So what we want to do is look at how the word of God transforms our life. And overcomes that sin sickness. Because if we only focus here on the external sinful action, and we don't get rid of this down here, the actual source of that sinful action, well, this may go away for a while, but eventually it's going to come back or something else is going to come back because the source of that sin is still there. This is why willpower doesn't work, because willpower, if all I'm doing is trying to overcome my sin with willpower, willpower has no power over sin, and thus I can maybe stop this for a while, but eventually it's coming back, and you know maybe something else comes with it, and all I end up doing is chasing symptoms in my life. And that's that's the way a lot of Christians live. They're chasing different symptoms or they're just overcome with one particular symptom, if you will. Well, what we need is something that has power over sin and also can bring healing to us from a spiritual perspective. As I said, the Bible can do that. And that's Hebrews 4.12 that tells us this. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword dividing between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is a discerner or a revealer of the thoughts, thoughts and intents of the heart. So here's how this works. Now, I, I mentioned at the beginning of this that there's one struggle that almost every Christian struggles with that most people never overcome. Well, that struggle is spending time consistently in the Word of God. Uh, the vast majority of Christians that I've met, at one point or another, have struggled with spending time in the Word of God. 
But here's the thing. The word of God is the one of the primary keys to spiritual transformation in your life. If you are not taking a regular dose, if you will, of the word of God, you're not getting the spiritual medicine you need to overcome that sin sickness. Because the word of God, again, is that spiritual medicine that will overcome the source of the sin sickness. And when you get rid of the source, guess what goes with it? All the symptoms go with it. But in order to go after the source, we actually need the medicine itself. Again, most people, most Christians struggle with that daily or that consistent time in the word. Well, what I want to do is I want to take a few minutes and I want to explain to you how the word of God transforms your life and why it's so important to be in the word. And what happens even if you don't understand what you're reading? Here's the thing about the word. When, when I talk to Christians in regards to reading the word of God on a consistent basis, most of them will tell me that, yeah, you know, either I used to do that or I struggle with it. Um, and at some point, you know, in this conversation, they, they usually tell me, yeah, you know, I, I did that, but, um, I just don't get anything out of it. So I ask them, well, what are you looking for? And at that point, most people are thinking, well, um, you know, I, I hear Pastor Jeff on Sunday and, or I listen to his radio program or, or, you know, maybe I, I've read Tony Evans books or I listened to uh, Charles Swindoll or a million other uh, preachers or teachers of the word of God. And I never get anything like that out of the Bible when I read it. So, what I say is, okay, so what you're really telling me is when you go to the Word of God, you're looking for information. You're looking for the information of the Word. Now, there's certainly a lot of information in the Word. There's a lot of doctrine, theology, and all that stuff is good. But I'll tell them, I say, what if the number one goal of the Word of God is not to inform you? And at that point, you know, most people are like, well, what do you mean? That's usually what I've been told. You know, that's why I go to Bible studies. Uh, you know, I, I read commentaries or I buy a study Bible or whatever. I want to get the information of the word. Now, again, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there isn't good information in there and that information isn't important. But here's, here's what I want you to understand tonight. And it's the same thing I tell people when I have this type of conversation with them. The number one goal of the Bible is not to inform. The number one goal of the Bible is to transform. That is number one. Information is number two. Revelation is number three. Transformation will eventually lead to information, and then information is what the Holy Spirit uses to bring about revelation. But you've got to have transformation first. Because most people, when they read the Bible, what they're trying to do is feed their mind. They want the intellectual understanding of the word. But here's the problem. If you take 
the information of the word and try and add it to a mind that is full of sin sickness. And all these little X's are is just they represent lies that we believe. So you take the truth and you mix it with a lie. What happens? You get some sort of distorted theology. And believe me, there's a bazillion people on the planet with distorted theology. And a lot of them are writing books. <laughs> there's bookshelves covered with books that are filled with distorted theology. So if you add information to a mind that's still dealing with sin sickness, it's going to distort that theology. So when we talk about reading the word of God on a consistent basis for transformation, what I'm, what I'm talking about here is not just feeding your mind, but first of all, change colors here. First of all, feeding your spirit. Because here's what, what happens. As you get the word into you, it's sort of like spiritual medicine. And the Holy Spirit who resides within your spirit begins to take that word and begins to infect, if you will, your soul with the truth of the word. Because that verse in Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is a discerner or a revealer of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So here's the thing. As you get the word of God into you and you start feeding your spirit, the Holy Spirit, through the word of God, begins to make this division between soul and spirit. Now, what's that division? It's a division between the truth of your righteousness and the truth of the word of God, your righteousness in Christ, the word of God, and the lies that you believe in your soul. And what the Holy Spirit does is he reveals those lies, contrasts them with the truth, and now here you are with a true opportunity to make a decision. <clears throat> Let me give you uh, an example of what this looks like. So one of the one of the things a lot of people struggle with is believing that they're not worthy. They're just not good enough. And you know, in life, circumstances will I'll use this as an example of a circumstance, will oftentimes poke at the lies that we believe and kind of reinforce those lies. So you get a difficult circumstance in your life and it starts poking at one of those lies and the big lie is, I'm just not good enough. <clears throat> well, the Holy Spirit is going to take the word and is going to try and is going to magnify that lie in order to bring it to the surface. So we have a circumstance that is bringing the lie to the surface, the word of God that is revealing the thoughts and intents of the heart or the lie that you believe. And now you have this sort of spiritual x-ray, if you will, where the Lord is bringing to the surface this lie that you believe. So let me talk to you here straight on for a minute. 
if you go to a doctor and the doctor does an x-ray and in that x-ray, the doctor, you know, puts it up on the, the big lighted wall and starts pointing out areas on that x-ray. Hey, you know, there's this spot here, or I see this thing here. Well, the doctor's not doing that to condemn you. Now, if your doctor says, Hey, you know, I see this little spot here on your lungs or, or there's looks like there's a mass here by your liver. And that doctor starts condemning you over it. You know, what's wrong with you? You know, all this stuff on your x-ray, you, what a loser you are. If your doctor's doing that, you need a new doctor. The purpose that your, your doctor is using to point these things out is not to condemn you over these things, but to point them out in order to come up with a plan for healing. You know, the doctor will then come up with some sort of plan, maybe it's medication or surgery or something to bring healing back to your body. Well, the Holy Spirit does the same thing, except on a spiritual level. Through the, through the ingestion, if you will, or taking that spiritual medicine, taking the word of God, the Holy Spirit starts bringing things to the surface. These things that are in you, and you know what we're talking about here a minute ago—the lie that you're just not good enough—and sometimes the Lord even uses circumstances in conjunction with the Word of God to bring these things to the surface to show you, hey, you believe this lie about yourself. Now God's not doing it to condemn you for it; He's doing it just like that doctor. God, you know, we call Jesus the great physician, right? He's doing it to show you, hey, this is in you, and I want to get it out of you. I want to bring healing into your life. You know, one of the one of the reasons that a lot of Christians stop reading the Word is because as they get the Word in them, the Holy Spirit starts bringing this stuff up, you know, the Hebrews 4.12, that the Word of God is a revealer of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So it starts revealing this stuff, and Christians start getting scared, thinking that God's condemning them over it. So they stop and they kind of back off. I don't want to. Need, I don't want to know what all that stuff. Well, that's a normal part of the discipleship process. It's a normal part of the transformation process. See, God has to reveal these lies that we believe in order to bring healing to them. You know, when when the doctor shows you that X-ray, there's things that that X-ray reveal that you didn't even know were there. And until they're revealed, they can't be healed. And it's the same thing with God. There's lies that you believe about yourself, about God, about reality, about other people, about circumstances, whatever. The lie that you believe that you're just not good enough. Well, in order for God to heal it, God's first got to reveal it. And it's the revealing part that is hard. Because if we do believe that we're not worthy, and God reveals that to us, brings it to the surface through a circumstance, through the power of the word, all these things. It, it makes us feel condemned. It makes us feel ashamed. It makes us feel guilty. But that's not the purpose. That's not the purpose at all. Uh, what that is, is it, it's, it's the enemy trying to use this process to derail us and hijack the process in a way that that pushes us away from God. And I think I said a couple of weeks ago, anything that's that pushes you from God is not from God. So, you know, guilt, shame, and condemnation 
are definitely not from God. That's why the Bible says there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It also says that Jesus took our shame upon him at the cross. All these things are removed by the gospel. And any attempt by the enemy to try and put shame or guilt or condemnation back on us is an indication it's of the enemy and not of the Lord. Because clearly the word says there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So let's get back to our illustration here. And let's look a little deeper at how this process continues. So we start getting into the word. The word starts getting into us and it starts revealing some of these lies that we believe. So following along this continuing or continuing along this line, as far as not feeling worthy, that's really an identity issue. Okay. And last week I talked about the parallels to these three areas, the body, the soul, and the spirit. You also have identity. character, and behavior. Well, as I said last week, identity drives character, character drives behavior. If you've got a behavior issue, which is what this is, well, it's because you have a character issue, and if you've got a character issue, you have an identity issue. Now, the gospel makes us holy and completely righteous. It gives us a brand new identity. The sin sickness within us makes us believe that our identity is still not good. That's that lie. So the truth is I'm righteous in his sight. I am whole and complete. I am, I've been made worthy. The lie tells us we're not worthy. We're not good enough. As the word gets in us, the Holy Spirit reveals that, hey, you, you still believe that you're just not good enough. Now, we have that contrast between the truth of the Word of God and the lie that we believe in our soul. And now we have a choice. Which one am I going to believe? Because whichever one I believe, and when it comes to especially not feeling worthy, not feeling good enough, that really is an identity issue. Whichever one we believe is going to be the foundation of our character, which will be the foundation of our behavior, which will drive whatever we do out here, whether it's sinful or good. So the more word I get in me, the more the Holy Spirit is going to divide between soul and spirit, reveal the thoughts and intents of my heart, Contrast the truth of the gospel, which says I'm whole, I'm complete, I am righteous in his sight, with a lie that says I'm not good enough. The more that takes place, the more the truth begins to spill over into my soul and begins to change the way I think, the way I feel, and the way I act. Just like that spiritual or that that um pill that i take the antibiotic slowly begins to transform my lungs from a sick sickness state to a healthy state well the more i get the word of god in me through this power of the holy spirit the more it begins to transform 
my soul from a sickness state to a healthy state. And the more I discover that my desires, my thoughts, and my emotions begin to transform, begin to change. And as that occurs, this contrast between the lie and the truth, all of a sudden the truth gets stronger and stronger and the lie gets weaker and weaker. And all of a sudden that lie begins to be eradicated. And then the lie over here that I believe in my mind begins to be eradicated. And as that lie begins to be eradicated, my mind starts to clear up. And as my mind clears up, that means the information of the word can now be brought into my mind. And I begin to understand the word more clearly. And then the Holy Spirit takes that and turns that into revelation. And that revelation is a much deeper understanding, first of all, of my own identity, my understanding of who Christ is, of who God is, my understanding of, of just life in general, and a greater revelation of my purpose in the kingdom of God. And this process just continues over and over and over again. And this is a lifelong process. <clears throat> it takes time for this to occur. If we really want to see our identity in Christ from a true perspective, we need that healing in our soul. And that healing comes through the word of God, through the power of the word of God, constantly feeding my spirit with the truth of the word of God. And as it spills out, it begins to transform my soul and clear up the way I think, the way I feel, the way I act. When I say the way I act, what I mean is it's changing my desires. The things I used to like to do that were sinful, those desires start to diminish and they begin to change. And I, I no longer want to do those things. And that's where part of this healing comes in is my desire. I don't want to do that anymore. And it's not just, I know I'm not supposed to do it. So I need to drum up willpower not to do it. It's, you know what? I just don't want to do it anymore. And I want to start doing the things that are good. The things that are right, that are pleasing to the Lord and that are in line with a, a character that is, that mirrors the character of Christ. So this process takes place over a period of time. So let me finish up this by really laying out the specifics of what I call the prescription for life. So those are sort of the mechanics of what the prescription for life does. So let's talk about what is that prescription for life. And it's all wrapped around the word of God, you know, in that Hebrews 4.12. <clears throat> so what I encourage everybody, and, and Pastor does this as well, when it comes to the word of God, I encourage everybody to be on a one-year plan, OYP, one-year plan, one-year reading plan. The reason I, I encourage people to be in a one-year reading plan is because it does three things. Number one, it gives you structure. Not only do uh, most people not read the word, they, they really don't know where to begin. Um, 
So what happens is we tend to gravitate towards our favorite verse or a favorite chapter, uh, maybe our favorite book or whatever. We just kind of hang out there over and over and over again. Uh, and if at some point we end up straying into Leviticus, we just never come back. So the one-year plan gives you structure. It tells you what to read, when to read it, and you never have to guess. Number two, it gives it, it gets you through the whole Bible every year. Again, most people don't read the Bible, and most people have never read the entire Bible at any time in their life. So a one-year plan will give you the structure, tells you what to read, when to read it. It gets you through the whole Bible every year. And then number three, it creates what I call a baseline. That baseline is similar to what you see on the prescription bottles. You know, on a prescription bottle, the prescription bottle will say, take one pill a day every day for six weeks. That's a baseline. We don't really think of it that way, but that's really what it is. It's a baseline. And I know that if if I don't take one pill a day every day for six weeks, I'm not getting enough of this medication to bring healing to my body. Well, in my opinion, a one-year plan is the minimum you need of the word to experience transformation over time. So if you will commit to a one-year plan, over time, you're going to discover that the word of God is getting into you. It's beginning to, to bring transformation to the way you think, the way you feel, the way you act. And it's also going to begin revealing those lies. Again, not to condemn you, but to, to reveal it so God can heal it. And that baseline just gives you a target, something to shoot for. Now, a one-year plan in general is about three to four chapters a day, somewhere in that range. Maybe you're thinking, oh my gosh, three to four chapters. I struggle with three to four verses. That's okay. Start with three to four verses and then work your way into it. You know, don't, don't think it's an all or nothing. Uh, proposition here that oh, if I can't do three, four chapters a day, forget it, it's over. It's not. You know, one of the things we'll talk about next week is how to develop consistency in reading the Word of God and why consistency is so important. But for, for this week, I just really want to encourage you to begin a one-year plan. Now, I know for a lot of you perfectionists out there like me, you're thinking, oh, it's like April 20th. I can't begin a one-year plan. It's not January 1st. Doesn't matter. Start today. Just pick up. Either You can either pick up on what the reading is for April 20th and move forward, or you can just start day one today with Genesis 1-1. It doesn't matter. What does matter is that you get into the Word every day on a consistent basis. Uh, and again, next week, we'll talk about the the process and how to actually do that and what happens in that consistency process. But for now, it's just a matter of getting started. So I encourage you today, either go to the bookstore, go to Amazon, whatever. If you prefer a paper Bible, pick up a one-year Bible uh, in a paper format. If you prefer a, a, a digital one, you know, I've got on my phone here, I use the Bible app. Oh, yeah, it's you, 
Um, you've, you've probably seen the Bible app before. Uh, it's great. I love it. Uh, this is what it looks like. I don't know if you can see that really well. Yeah, there you go. It has these great plans, like today's plan. Uh, this, this will broadcast on uh, April 20th. I'm sorry, April 21st. So for April 21st, there's the, the plan for April 20th. It's probably not the best. But it's Second uh, Kings 1, 2, and 3. So three chapters for today. Uh, you can get that on Apple's iPhone, which is what I've got, or an Android. It doesn't matter. Um, you can get paper versions of these. Just go on to Google and type in one-year reading plan, and you can get a paper version if you prefer a paper version. It doesn't matter. What does matter is you get on a one-year plan and use that as your baseline. Um, you know, devotionals, um, Christian TV, Christian radio, all that stuff are, are great supplements for the Word of God. They're terrible substitutes. Uh, and Pastor himself will say this. Do not substitute your reading of the Word of God with one of his sermons. Uh, it's not meant to be that. You know, it's like me going to uh, GNC and saying, hey, I want to buy a case of vitamin supplements because I want to quit eating. I'm just going to take the supplements. Well, they're going to look at me like I'm, I'm crazy because they call them supplements for a reason. They're not substitutes. Well, you know, devotionals, Christian TV, Christian books, all that stuff, Christian radio, they are great supplements for the Word of God. They're terrible substitutes. So don't substitute the Word of God for anything. And that's why, again, a one-year plan really helps you with that. It gives you that structure. It gets you through the whole Bible every year, and it creates that baseline. Well, I hope tonight this aspect of a prescription for life has helped you further understand the transformational discipleship process and why it's so important to be in the Word of God. It's one of the greatest struggles that every Christian has at some point in their life is consistency in the Word of God. So I hope learning tonight how important it is to be in that Word and, and not worry about the information aspect. That's going to come, but you need the transformation first. So um, again, I'm just, I'm excited to be able to share this with you tonight. Uh, it's one of my favorite messages because it really brings transformation. I've experienced it. I've helped other people who have experienced it. And, you know, I was just talking to somebody the other day and a couple of days later, they came back and said, I oh, mean, I just started reading the word and, and man, I, 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 I catch the vision on this. I really want to experience that transformation. So I want you to experience that as well. That's it for tonight. Uh, this is week three in our Transformational Discipleship Series. We've got one more week to go next week. I thank you so much for, for being with us and being uh, part of our TPC family. I also want to thank you for those of you who, who partner with us financially to be able to allow us to do things like this, to broadcast this message and Pastor Jeff's messages, both online and, and on the radio literally across the entire country. Uh, we wouldn't be able to do this without you. So thank you so much for being a partner with us here at Turning Point Church. If you've never had the opportunity to partner with us financially, there's three ways you can do that. You can give online at tpcfamily.org slash give. You can text the word give to 817-617-4378. Or you can mail us here at Turning Point Church at 10,700 Old Burleson Road, 
Fort Worth, Texas, 76140. Let me pray for you. And as soon as we're done, I encourage you to go grab that Bible and get started on that one-year plan. Let's, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I just thank you. Uh, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. And Lord, I thank you that you desire to transform us from the inside out. So Lord, I pray for each and every person who has heard this message, Lord, that you would give them that desire to experience the transforming power of the word of God in their lives. And Lord, I pray that you would encourage them and you would would just build in them a deeper desire to walk closer to you. And Lord, I thank you for doing it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. I look forward to seeing you next week as we finish up our Transformational Discipleship Series.